How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, hello, and thank you so much for joining us for another conversation about leaving Hillsong. I'm super excited to introduce to you today an incredible woman whose name is Noemi. She's a Mexican-American, and she became involved with Hillsong in about 2017. But before that, she'd grown up as a pastor's kid in Mexico. And for part one of this conversation, she shares so much of the culture of Pentecostalism in Mexico and South America and in the US as well for a young person at college. There's just so much to this story and I hope you enjoy this introduction. So here is Welcome Home. The usual start is to ask people how they ended up in Hillsong or in Assemblies of God Church, but you didn't ever really ended up there. You were born into church, Wayne. Yeah. So I was born into a small Latinx, which is Latin American church. That's what you call it when it's non-binary, Latinx or Latine. Latinx in English or Latine in Spanish. Yeah. People use it interchangeably. I like to use that as a person who identifies as non-binary. That's how I identify as a Latinx person. So yeah. So I grew up in a, a Latin American church who that started from the Azusa revivals. Um, oh, wow. And the direct link. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it came out of that church. 
give us a quick, you know, a quick rundown of Azusa. So in 1906, there was a revival in Azusa Street, California, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's how they would uh, quote it um, if you want to use church lingo. And churches started to form from that revival. There's this really big black church that formed and a lot of Latin American people were there. People from Mexico attended that church and they realized that there was a population that was not really connecting. So the Mexicans in that black church formed their own church and it was kind of like blessing of like, yeah, go and create your own space. And a lot of families from there traveled down to Mexico. So then the church kind of spread out through Mexico and now it's in other parts of Latin America. So I grew up in that. My grandpa was a minister there. All of my uncles were pastors. Uh, This is all my dad's side. My dad uh, was an associate pastor at one point. He was a preacher, so he'd be invited different places. And he was a church planter. So we would support the church in starting Bible studies, and it would turn into this huge thing where we had to plant a church in that area. Was there a lot of moving around involved? Yeah, I was born in Arizona. It's a state on the border of uh, with Mexico. That's where my parents had migrated from Mexico to. And in 2006, um, my dad felt called to move back to his country, which is Mexico. Um, so we went back. Since all of my uncles are pastors, we would go and support each one. And they would tell us a region in the local city where they were at, where no one was going to. And it was usually migrants or indigenous people who no one wanted to start a Bible study, but they were interested. So my dad would be the one to go. We would start a small Bible study. I was usually in charge of like kids, uh, this little 14, 13 year old, like taking care of all the kids there. And yeah, I would help out there and my dad would start do his Bible study um, and it would grow so big that they would have, uh, usually the town would donate a land to start building a church. Why, how did it grow so big? What, what do you think that was the result of? It was several things. I always said it was because of often when I would take care of the kids, we would do a small lecture and then we would like Bible story and then we would go and play. Um, So the kids in the town would see us playing and want to play with us. And so then they would bring their parent and then that would make it grow. So it's always a trickle down and, and churches do that really well. And I saw that and I was a part of that growing up. What siblings do you have? I have uh, two sisters and a brother. My brother was already married by the time we were like doing all of that. He he had his own family he had to take care of. He would support us every once in a while when he could. My sisters were usually in charge of more of the music ministry. They were always, my dad would play the the keys or the piano. One of them would play the drums. The other one would would sing and I would be taking care of the kids. So it was like we were a whole package. Wow. And your mother? She would support my dad um, and yeah, and any creative things that he needed to develop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much involved. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was born into that. And so it was like something I was, I was always used to like church planting in like rural areas and like very community based where everyone pitched in. We would take some food at the end of the Bible study, but people would bring in like someone would bring like a two liter bottle of Coke. Some people would bring some uh, tortillas, some beans, and everyone would just have like tacos or something at the end of the Bible study. It was very communal. It was really fun. I always found they made me really hungry as well. Like I was always so hungry by the end of church. When you say like they grew super big, like what 
would they grow before you then move on? It would go to like almost 80 people. So it'd be easily like 10 families. So my grandparents were actually indigenous and they converted to Christianity uh, because of someone who went to their home. Who were the, the indigenous people of Mexico? There's a lot of different tribes. Often they don't uh, like categorize or they won't know. So my grandpa never like told my family what tribe they were from or like any ancestry uh, because of assimilation. So it was like frowned upon to tell your family about it. So my grandparents never really said anything, but my grandpa was like a, a spiritualist. So he would read tarot and my grandma was a medium. So she was the one who would contact spirits and they would speak through her to the person. Someone from the local church went to my grandparents, I don't know, before they converted and asked for a tarot reading and to contact one of their ancestors or a grandparent or something. But it turns out that my grandma couldn't contact that spirit. And so they started asking the person questions like, who is this? Where did they live? And they said, oh, well, they went to this small Pentecostal church down the street. And so my grandpa was like, oh, what is that? Like, I've never heard of it. He went down to the church and they gave him a Bible at the church because uh, he wanted to understand. He saw it more on the spiritual side of it, of like, who, who is the spirit? Why can I contact them? So he got the Bible. He went back home and he learned about the Holy Spirit um, and he learned about Christianity. And like, so he decided to convert and he left everything. They sold everything and they donated the money to the church. So the local small church in the city, in that city is there because of the donations of my grandpa. So he became a minister later on there. I mean, that's a, an amazing grace story. That's amazing. But, you know, that was your inheritance. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah. Hi. No, it's all good. He was basically colonized to believe that who his belief before right. him or like that it was bad and that it couldn't go hand in hand with what he already believed. He already believes in spirits and that understanding why couldn't it just be added on to what he, who he already was as a person? Often Christianity tends to like find ways to remove everything to become this norm. And the norm came from the North, like from colonizers in the North who were, had come from the US. So that's common for Christianity in, in, in Mexico and in Latin America for that. And, and, and everywhere, right? Like, uh, yeah. Packaged with white supremacy to <sighs> the whole world. So, yeah. So in 2012, January of 2012, my dad ended up passing away. He already had uh, lupus. And so that caused renal failure. It was difficult to receive the new or to like see and experience because everything I knew about religion and this like God who heals and this person or this God who like is all powerful couldn't heal my dad completely, even though we were praying for years. And he was over here, the one preaching and planting churches and doing amazing things for the church, but yet, or, and for God, but yet that God couldn't heal him. So that was and, really hard for me to see. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's, I'm wondering if how much word of faith and healing was a part of the culture. How much was that a part of the culture that you were living in? Was it a, you know, a faith healing kind of church with name it and claim it stuff yeah so because I grew up in this oneness Pentecostal like Holy Spirit speaking in tongues kind of place they they would constantly be praying for people to be healed 
I never knew if it was real. And I was always kind of skeptical even growing up. But uh, there was one point when I, when I tried to believe it for my dad, because I wanted him to be healed so that I could have him as my father for the rest of my life, or at least for a longer period of time. But that didn't happen. And so that really started a lot of questions within me. And, and really started to shift how I viewed religion and how I viewed my faith. I always like to say that, well, growing up, the faith that I had was that of my parents and not my own. I developed my own as I grew up. Is there any difference since my, you know, my parents taught me who God was? How do you, how do you separate that stuff out? Yeah. And to not have that voice anymore or the voice that I thought was God was actually my dad who was like guiding me, eye-opening and and mind-blowing to me because I couldn't go, I didn't have anyone to go for spiritual guidance anymore. My mom was there and I'm not discarding her, but often in in Christianity, it's like the patriarchal of like a guy, like we always give God, yeah, male like pronouns, like he, him. Like if we were to call God by different pronouns, the people would like, not view that the same way it's that entrenched yeah. sexism stuff and the man is the head of the household so why would you not go straight to the yeah top? and that's what I was taught in the Christianity that I was given growing up even though Latin American culture and Mexican culture tends to be somewhat matriarchal where it's like the mom is the one who makes the decisions in the home and people will say that even like if I go to my grandparents house on my mom's parents house my grandma's the one who tells everyone what to do and and what to believe and how to live life. It shifted a lot of things for me. Actually, he passed away on a Wednesday morning. By Monday morning, Monday night, I was traveling back to the US. So my mom could no longer afford my education in Mexico. So I had to move to back to the U.S. to live with my aunt and uncle who were pastors in a church here so that I could uh, go to school here in the U.S. because high school in the U.S. is free. Because I was a citizen, I was born here, it was just easier to come here. Like how was that for you to be away from um, everything you'd known basically? Yeah, yeah, because I had moved to Mexico when I was 11. So that was like a huge culture shift. I had to learn you, the Mexico tends to be a very mono-ethnic country. There's only Mexicans and like people who look more like me and in, like I'm half indigenous. So I kind of also look like the indigenous people. And then I come back to the U.S. that's very diverse and people of all cultures and all countries. So it was kind of a culture shock having to learn again how to navigate those situations. But again, I was also living with my aunt and uncle who were pastors of the same like church denomination or organization because I had experience doing kids ministry he asked if I could help out there and actually his kids weren't Christian like they hadn't they didn't believe in God yeah which is very common actually for pastors kids to have for that to happen not the so, um, not Hillsong pastors kids I'd just like to add there are <laughs> sure <laughs> So my cousins were atheists, they were intense. And so I was also given the responsibility by my aunt and uncle to convert them, which was huge for me. But I was 16. My cousins were all older than me. Only one of them was one year older. So 17, like 19, and probably like 21. 
that your job. Yeah. Your job. Yeah. I didn't really do anything. I didn't do what they asked in that sense. Cause I was like, that's not my responsibility. And I knew that for a fact, I developed actually PTS from that experience because it was somewhat of an abusive situation. I, I don't remember a lot of it because it was emotional abuse. And often with emotional abuse, you're kind of on autopilot. Like I was on autopilot, so I didn't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't wait. allowed to grieve there because your father's in heaven. You don't, oh, you're no. not supposed to cry. And I was separated from my mom who was living on the other side of the border um, in Mexico. And I was also restricted on how often I could call her. School was always the place where I felt safe. Okay. It was a place where I would always invest all of my time into, which is why I'm like a huge nerd and I love learning. And so I did really, really well in school and I got a full tuition scholarship to go to a four-year university right out of high school. Wow, that's amazing. My uncle, aunt and uncle weren't very happy, but that's not like I cared and I didn't need their validation. So I packed up my things and left and went to university. I went to Northern Arizona University and I studied public health, which is the science of promoting and protecting the health of the public. I realized that like I love people and I love health and healthcare and helping people have access to care. And I believe that health is a human right. I declared that to be my major. And then I took a world religions class. So I wanted to learn more about religion. I was always intrigued. So now I was learning about Islam and Judaism and Christianity, not the Christianity I. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. I was taught the like the general Christianity and Hinduism and Buddhism. Super fascinating to me to learn all of that. I was finally able to grieve the, the death of my dad. And so my first year in uh, college was a turmoil of like grieving, but also finding my love for studying religion. 
and the interaction with healthcare, why people approach healthcare the way they do based on their religion, which is really interesting to me because my dad was religious and he didn't like going to the doctor because God was going to heal him. So I wanted to understand that more because my mom even thought at my dad's funeral that he would get up from his casket. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty traumatic having to tell your parent like they're dead. They don't have any organs because they've been like embossed and all that. But she believed it and she wanted to believe and to the last moment where we were putting the casket down. That's when she kind of finally cried. I'm so sorry. You're at college. You finally get your weekends to yourself and you get to like spend your time the way you want to spend it. Right. And yeah, I do. Yeah. So my first year I found a Pentecostal church in that city. There wasn't one from the branch that I had grown up in, but there was a sister organization who had a church there, International Church, I think that's what they're called, UBCI. And they're way more strict than the church I grew up in. So I went there for my whole first year of college. And that was like too intense for me. They were very strict. I was allowed to like cut my hair in my church, but very little of like trimming the the tips of my hair. And when I got to college, I cut it a little bit shorter because I was like, freedom, that's what I thought freedom was. <laughs> and they didn't like that. And they from the pulpit, they would be like, holiness and like, don't cut your hair. And I'd be like, I didn't like how that was. And at the same time, I was studying religion at school, and I declared it my minor. And so for me, it was I was trying to be more all inclusive of more religions. So second year, I left that church. I no longer attended, but I started attending what I would call a white church um, because Mm -hmm. it wasn't led by Mexican people. And it was a lot of white people on stage now. First time I ever went to a white church. Yeah. So worship, they would sing some Hillsong songs. What were the differences? Um, Tell us. Well, in white church, white church ends at a certain time and you know what time is going to end. It's an hour, hour and a half, very quick and succinct. Everything is very formal. Well, not formal um, because you don't dress in formal clothes in white church. You dress in very casual clothes in Latinx church and in black churches often. So black and brown churches in the U.S. church will go on for hours probably five hours like you have a start time but you never say what the end time will be like what time it'll end because they say they allow the holy spirit to say when it's going to end so it can go on for hours worship is very different worship in white church is very more calm often you're reading the lyrics from the screen or whatever they have there the beat is often very simple as well like chords of the music is very simple, but in black and brown churches in the U.S., it's a lot of gospel. Um, in in Latinx <sighs> churches, is like salsa and like merengue <sighs> and all these like you're dancing, you're moving, and <sighs> you're like letting it all like worship God or whatever. People tend to be very charismatic in in Latin America or in Latin American churches, or just Latin American people are very charismatic and very like more expressive. Right. Um, Catholicism tends to be more monotone, very calm. Yes. So, and people want yeah. to express yeah. themselves. So, they find in a Pentecostal church they can do that. 
but often if you compare the rituals, it will be very, very similar. So there will still be a respecting of the altar and like the front of the church is the altar. So in a Pentecostal church, there is a huge respect for that altar in that area. And you respect the pastor as like the ultimate authority in the place. And there's just like all of these other rituals that you can notice um, that are often hand in hand. So when people transition from Catholicism to Pentecostalism, they look different, but they're not very different at all. So yeah, I was going to that white church and I also joined InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which is a campus ministry. And I was part of the Latin American groups, which we called La Fe, which translates to the faith, but it stands for... Uh, Latino fellowship. So I and I was used to planting. I that's what I had grown up in. So I planted I helped plant La Fe at NAU at my university. And so yeah, I was able to ask finally start asking a lot of theological and like deep questions that I always had. There wasn't always answers, but that was okay. Um, So that's when my faith shifted. Yeah, that's when I kind of started developing my own belief system and my own faith because I was finally studying it on my own. And I started seeing like the character, the characteristics of Jesus as someone who was an advocate, who welcomed everyone to the table, regardless of how society categorized them as. Like that wasn't the focus of Jesus. It was always because they are a human being, they're welcome to the table. And that was a big part of, of La Fe. Everyone is familia which means family and everyone is welcome to the table because when you, whenever you enter Latinx home, you're going to be fed. (laughs) It doesn't matter. So it's cultural too. We would study together and find the commonalities. And then on Sundays, everyone would go where they wanted to. What a Um, crazy concept. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It was really different um, actually for me, because I was always used to like, this is the church. This is a salvation. This is what it is. So to see them come together and commune for me was like mind blowing. It actually, that's what was the catalyst for me to change my relationship with my maternal grandparents because they were Catholic and I was Protestant and we didn't have the best relationship. So for me learning in this Bible study, how to interact with Catholic students and and not really think about our divide, but what brings us together and our commonalities, that's what I was able to take with my family and bridge that gap and now like my grandma's like the best so instead of me coming in and asking about our differences I started showing interest in what they like so my grandma was very avid follower and it's very normal in Latin America where they venerate the virgin of Guadalupe which is the brown virgin or the 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 virgin with brown skin yeah, so when, oh. when Catholicism came to Mexico, they realized that the indigenous people didn't want to convert. Okay. So then they got their pasty white Virgin Mary and gave her brown skin so that the indigenous people would accept her. And they gave her like very colorful garments as well. So it's like green and red. And so that was more acceptable to the people there. I stayed in a varsity all throughout college. Okay. Um, And junior year, I officially decided to leave my parents' church, the church I had grown up in, because I hadn't formally told them that I was no longer a member. And I formally requested to no longer be a member. I had never seen anybody leave the organization. So that was a whole new area. But I was like, this is the formula I know. This is what I'm going to do. 
he lifted his Bible and started yelling at me and saying, you're going to go to hell. You're leaving the truth. Who twisted you? And they knew I was part of InterVarsity. So they were like, they twisted your mind. You don't know what you believe in anymore. You're leaving. So I stayed quiet until they calmed down. And I once again spoke up and I was like, I'm not here to ask. I'm here to inform you. Please remove me from your membership list. In my senior year, when I decided I, I was going to come to grad school and I got into Boston University School of Public Health for graduate school, gonna, I was going to study my master's in public health. So I was like really excited. I went to my mentor for university and I asked her to pray with me because I wanted to find a church in Boston that was, I had two requirements, that it welcomed everyone and that it was diverse because I didn't want it to be like a monoethnic church the way I grew up in a Latinx church. And so that's what I prayed for with her. That summer, one of my friends invited me to Hillsong Phoenix. Since you're not going to your family's church where your sisters are going, why don't you come with us on Sunday just to check it out? And I was like, sure, like I've heard of Hillsong, like I'll go. We walk in and there was a some like Mexican people who were greeting us. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, that's diverse. I go in and there's like huge diversity of people on the in the crowd. Some of the people like playing music was pretty diverse, but they brought I'll never forget. They brought they pulled out a screen, like dragged it in and they were going to play a recording of Brian Houston preaching. It was the first time I had ever heard of Brian Houston. And I had a really hard time understanding what he was saying. Because of the accent. Yeah, the accent was so thick for me. So I didn't really get what he was saying. But what I did pick up was very interesting to me at the time. I was like, that's very like basic theology. Mm -hmm. There's nothing deep to it. And I remember my friends and I who went, we were all part of InterVarsity during college. So when we left and we were driving to a coffee shop to have lunch, we started talking about the preaching that Brian had just done. And we were like, there were, he didn't give us any like points on how to achieve what he was talking about. He was just telling you to do it, but you don't know how to get to that end goal that he's telling you to get to. So how would you do it? And so we started dissecting everything the way we were used to in InterVarsity. And we kind of were all like, yeah, I don't know if I would attend a church like that. It seems very like low level, like basic theology. Like if you're, if you're wanting to go deeper and learn something more, like that's not the church for you. And that was like the general consensus that we all came to. And so I ended up going again with my friend for a second Sunday before leaving um, to Boston. And the pastor, one of the people from the church preached that time. It was in a Brian recording, which was It was a little bit better, honestly. The words they were saying coincided more with the community and it it made more relevance because they were from there. So that kind of connected me a little bit more. And I was like, okay, I can, I can see where you're going. But what dragged me in is in the welcome lounge outside for whoever was new, they were giving you a free like Hillsong cup. If you like signed a card and gave them your information. Like a coffee cup? No, like one that you have for like iced coffee where it has a straw in it. And nice. like you, yeah. I'm always there. For yeah. Me. So I'm like a free cup. Heck yeah. I want that. So I signed up. I gave them all my information oh, and I got my cup. I think my mom still has it. Yeah. They got me really easy. I wrote on the card that I was moving to Boston and 
if they had any like information or anybody I can like connect with, that would be really helpful. A few weeks later, I get an email saying, oh, we've heard of a Hillsong Church in Boston opening up. We're not sure too much of the information, but like that's a place you can go to uh, once you're there. Is that a coincidental timing? Yeah. Yeah. Hillsong Boston was about to start. So I get to Boston for grad school and I, I started looking for churches. I had forgotten about Hillsong Boston. I started Googling different churches in the area. I remembered that Hillsong Boston was going to open up. I remember what they had told me. So I researched it and I saw on their Instagram page that they had just done their first worship night in one of the colleges. So I go in, I sign up and I say, I want to be a part of a connect group and they invite me and I end up going to the first, they call it the block, like the young adults group, okay. connect group. Yeah. Yeah. Is um, that an American thing or is that a Hillsong thing? I don't know. I think okay. it's a Hillsong East coast. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the block and there was a lot of like people from uh, different ethnicities and races. And so for me, that was like, oh, diversity. Yay. The people who were leading it were two white girls and a guy from India. Um, so I was like, okay, that's diverse. And everyone else, like we're students who were all like from all different ethnic backgrounds. So for me, that was really nice. But at the end of that first block meeting or connect group meeting, they let everyone know that there was going to be a volunteer night on Wednesday. And they were asking us if we wanted to go and uh, learn more about the church and see if, if we wanted to volunteer. That was our opportunity to be trained. So I was like, okay, like you barely know me, but sure. Like I had grown up with this idea of like church planting and helping out. And I see here a church being planted and I was going to help out. So I go on Wednesday and I was walking in and I remember there was a, a sign that said, welcome home. And I was like, oh, like for me, a home is where everyone is welcome at the table. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this idea of like, oh, everyone is welcome. And like, and I had come from university where literally everyone was welcome through the doors and everyone can ask all the questions they had. Yeah. I didn't know what it meant for them, but for me, it meant something very deep. So I had my second requirement where everyone was welcome. So everyone is welcome and there's a diversity of people. Those are my two requirements and they were fulfilled. So I was like, okay, I guess this may be a church for me. So I became part of the host team there. This was in October of 2017. Hillsong Boston, along with New Jersey, Connecticut and New York, became what was known as Hillsong East Coast Campus. And so Noemi didn't realize that she was going to be under a very extreme form of Hillsong leadership. But without giving too much away, join us next week for part two of Welcome Home. Talk then. How 
you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.